Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. It's uh, five past four. Andy and I have just come off air. It's been an ex- it's just a roller coaster. Um, I'm not Paul Hawksby. Uh, he's off this week. What are you giggling at, Andy? A roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> it really has. Yeah. Uh, the thrills and spills of which you'll hear some of it now in this podcast. And if you're just if you've just chanced upon it, why not subscribe? Because then you can listen to it every day. I subscribe, Andy. I subscribe as well. Do you, but I do. You, I listen to it because I. Haven't, yeah. you know, well, obviously I, I listen to it occasionally. I'm in it. Yes, yeah, it's quite self-indulgent for you to <laughs> listen to really, this, really. Yeah. I mean, surely you've got something better to do. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> a sad indictment of your life. Well, it's nice to know while you're listening to this podcast, Andy Jacobs is listening to himself do the podcast. What's on today? Well, we had some uh, we had some fun. We got, we, we got a Christmas card very early. Almost oh, really. That's nice. Uh, Jules Holland, the legend. Mm. Uh, not the plumber. No. The musical legend, that is. Yeah. <laughs> he came on <laughs> over there. Over here, and you'll hear that. So he came on. He was very amusing. Is he your favourite Holland? He well, Dutch Holland. He used to work on this station mm. when we first came in. He, Matt Holland. Matt Holland. He's mm. good. Yes, he's good. But uh, you know, there you go. I'm good friends with someone called Ollie Holland. He'd be my favourite probably. But you know, that's not really relevant for anyone else. And Chris Hoy mm-hmm. came in. The uh, famous. He did. He fixed my bike. Olympian, Sir Chris Hoy, to you. Yes, of my favourite cyclist. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that's funny. Well, I do. <laughs> So, yes. So, uh, all that for you. Hope you enjoy it. And, uh, yeah. If you don't enjoy it, listen, there's nothing we can do. At this stage. (laughs) Brian. (laughs) Brian. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And I have to say, I don't know if during the news uh, you heard uh, a kerfuffle it was because uh, Andy <laughs> fell through the sports reader, David, basically, and swore. And it was a, uh, it was while Victoria was reading quite a serious story. as well. You always want to pick your falls when it's the Anne Finally Look, story. Look, I tripped over the headphones. I pulled the whole lot out. And uh, I did actually let fly with an expletive because I forgot that we were in the radio studio. Yeah, I know, we haven't been here many times before. But no, while you did so. that, I was laughing and I slipped and banged my pocket against that side of the wall, my phone in it, and I've smashed the screen. Oh, no. So annoying, that, isn't it? If you want to start a successful business, one of those screen repairers, mm. they make millions. Millions? Thousands. I don't know. I don't they know what the money than like. Mino Raiola. <laughs> That's how much money they make. I don't know what the three yearly time. I've never been on Dragon's Den. That's what we should do. 
uh, your three le- yearly turnover for uh... three yearly. <laughs> anyway, what have you got, Andy? Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Max. Thank you so much for being here. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure. And thanks so much to the Chatterton Park Sports Club for our Christmas card that arrived today. <laughs> Only ninety-eight days to go, but we, we always appreciate it. So we'll we'll leave that up for ninety-eight days. Oh, and twelve afterwards. Listen, so. I mean, there are lots of people listening to this radio show. Not many of them send you a Christmas card. So no, and not well. Chatterton have done well because normally it's Beryl Blick. She's normally the first one in with a Christmas card. But uh, Beryl, you've been beaten. This oh, what? Year. This is early, not late. I just presumed it was late. Oh no, early. <laughs> oh, okay. I think it's early anyway. Oh, thank you very much. But well done to them. And uh, what else have I got here? It's a strange one, that isn't it? What on earth do AC Milan see in Ivan Gazidis, really? It's not exactly been a reign littered with success, is it? <laughs> yes, on the think field, of the continuity that he brought to Arsenal over that eighteen-year period. Oh, it's always the same, isn't it, with these people? But anyway, well done to him. I'm sure he's, he's enjoys. Well nearly. done, Ivan. <laughs> he gets a million pound pay rise. Pay rise for is that. Not bad, nice. is it? It's a bit like managers getting payoffs. Isn't mm. it? Somebody wants to pay me ten million pounds for doing my job not very well and going away, I will <laughs> happily take it. Eight ten eighty nine on the text. How much, I'll go before How much four. do they pay you for not doing your job terribly well? <laughs> no, sadly, not enough for me to retire and I have to come back. Honestly, that NFL player who quit halfway through the match, we'll be talking about him later. I was like, I know how he feels. <laughs> I found this, Andy. I might be gone after three o'clock. Um, uh, anti-social passengers on crowded trains. So, that, that, I mean, mm. nothing describes as I imagine you are on a train. But I imagine you're antisocial on a train. I am very antisocial. I'd say things like, and funnily enough, it's in the news today, that uh, train running is 14% down, train punctuality, I should put that probably. It's hit a 12-year low with one in seven trains running late. And it drives me mad, though. An American company has come up with a product to make their lives easier. It's called the Seat Saver. Have you oh, seen yeah. this? No. Um, it's uh, displayfakefoods.com. You can buy a fake spillage made entirely of plastic, anything from an oozing ice cream tub or overturned yeah, but coffee no one, cup. no one will believe that. There you that. go. If you put that cup with coffee everywhere next to you, no one will sit next to you and you can have it all to yourself. I thought oh, yeah, actually, it's quite effective yeah, there you as go. it goes. I, think, I, I thought must say, yeah, I didn't... I thought you'd like that. Because normally those did fake foods, you see them in Japan, you know, like sort of outside restaurants, you think, well, I'm not going to eat that. It's horrible. Why would you think that would make me come in here? But this actually does look very realistic. And when you're on the train, someone comes and sits next to you, are you upset with them? I bet your, na- no, your first I... reaction is disappointment, isn't it? No, I don't mind. <laughs> if it's busy. <laughs> no, I had this th- I've got this theory, though. The, the, the way to improve our trains is to fire everybody and rehire only Japanese staff. Okay. Let Japanese people run our railways. Okay. Because if you go to Japan, their railways are only, it's a second late a year that they all sort of like resign and disgrace. In shame. In shame. Okay. That's how that's how punctual their trains are. So what would you do for the, who was the substitute who didn't, who wasn't ready? Uh, Lucas West. Perez. Yeah, that's it. So you know, I'd replace him with a. If Japanese he was Japanese, <laughs> he was Japanese. Get Honda in. Yeah. He'd be there. Be he would be desperate to be raring to go. <laughs> I mean, this is in the mirror today, Andy. Oh, yeah, you've done very uh, well. A bit of research. I've done some yeah, preparation for today's show. I am show. impressed that you, this is your new approach to the show that you brought in last time we worked together. Well, Andy sent me a message on the Sunday, <laughs> the last time I was here, and he he phoned me to say, "I'm really looking forward to you being here, but could you do some actual work <laughs> for the show? I don't understand why." A group of students. It's true. Have set a world record for the fastest <laughs> motorised toilet. Uh, Thomas Ellis, Robbie English, Joe Summers and William Beatty, yeah. all 18, drove the lure at a speed of 73 miles an hour. 
Uh, the friends from Oakham in East Midlands used a motorbike engine, custom-built chassis. I just, I sort but of. But is it a working? I think for it to be a record, it's it got to be plumbed. Be a working loo. I, I could tend be chemical to toilet. It doesn't need to be plumbed in, obviously, because you couldn't go very far. True, but I think once once the speed exists, exceeds sort of forty to fifty, then I find it harder. I think stage fright mm. kicks in. I think if the toilet's going at seventy-three miles an hour, <laughs> I find it hard to sort of start. You know, <laughs> but uh, we had a bloke yesterday. We were talking about this guy. He, Pushed a lawnmower 57 miles. He oh, broke the record. Him. Was he mowing anything? Well, this is what we were trying to work out, whether he was actually mowing anything or whether he was just going around in circles. Or Paul felt that his blades would be up. But I thought, well, that's not, that's not really a record, is it? No. Anyway, Ian Owen wrote to the uh, Sun today with a brilliant waste of ink. He says, oh, okay. uh, just four games in and Cristiano Ronaldo has started scoring for new club Juventus. Manchester United must still be kicking themselves forever having let him go. I mean, what should they do? Imprison him? It wasn't really their choice, was it? It's quite a, it's quite a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, that was not the time to send this letter. He could have, he could have sent that letter at any time. It's true. He could have sent it every three, week. Three champions a week. <laughs> Five years. There were other times to send this. Not when he gets a brace against Sassuolo. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. This is uh, Hawksby Jacobs on Talksport. Max in for Paul. Uh, the music of Jules Holland will be. Yeah. He's good at music, isn't he? There, Andy. <laughs> he is, yeah. uh, we chat to him in just a second. Uh, um, uh, imagine if the, uh, the the name of the new uh, cricket team, the London House Prices. John says, imagine if the London House Prices collapsed. Very good. <laughs> um, um, the London team should yeah, be thirty five percent down on last season. <laughs> Kevin said they should be called the London Congestion Charges. Uh, the Northern Lights, uh, Scott and Eastbourne, oh, the Midland Banks. You see, this could work, couldn't it? This really could work. Uh, the London Rail Replacements, <laughs> says Tom in Swansea, uh, as I frantically run out of uh, uh, texts before we wait for Jules. Holmes. Oh, are we waiting? I oh, have you got some I vignettes? Thought you were ke- I thought you were keeping him keeping waiting. Jules waiting. I you were keeping Jules waiting with those terrible <laughs> names. I just wanted him to understand the level of the show uh, before he came on. He might relax then as I discuss. I don't know if you're a fan of the TV show The Bodyguard or Bodyguard. Oh, don't tell me, please. No, no, I'm not going to do any spoilers. I'm a, I'm a half a show uh, behind, everyone. <laughs> half a show. Yes, right. Mrs. Rushton fell asleep last night, so I moved on to watch Hoybier crack that one in from 35 yards. <laughs> well, it was a great show. Several fans tried to phone Sergeant Bud, uh, you know, played by um, Richard Madden, of course. Mm-hmm. The star. Uh, they tried to phone Sergeant Bud's number after Richard read it out on Sunday. Ofcom revealed yesterday that they failed to reach him as one of 20,000 fake numbers for screen and radio. Mm. And I, I didn't realise that there were as many as 20,000. But what's the point? What did they think would happen if they were... Did they think that Richard Budd would actually... Richard Madden, rather, would... And say, Hello, it's me here. I mean, what did they think would happen? Who did they think would answer the I phone? I just wondered who it might be. It might be one of those TV secrets. Um, fortunately, Jules Holland is here and he can talk to us Good. now. Jules, welcome to TalkSport. How are you doing? Very nice to talk to you. Is that Max or Andy? I this can't is hear. Max. That's Max. I'm, Hello, the sort of Andy. Young Hello, enthu- Andy. I'm the young, enthusiastic one, and the sort of old, grumpy one is Andy. That's, <laughs> That's, That's me. But I, I, now you were just here saying that. I'm just on the phone now, dialing Pennsylvania 6500. <laughs> uh, it's, my, it's, it's one of the first uh, of those numbers to be issued, which was bogus. There must ah. be others. In, other, other, good, other good examples of that. I bet there's one in a James Bond film somewhere or something that doesn't oh, yeah. exist. Well, 20,000. You wouldn't think they'd need that many. I suppose it's to avoid the idea that, you know, oh, we've seen that number in Coronation mm. Street. Well, I once yeah, gave my they, phone number. They, they, 
Sorry? The continuity, the continuity lady's been in the, in that phone company. I think <laughs> I once gave my number out on a radio show just to see what happened. I wouldn't recommend it to either of you. Um, no. Now, according to the internet, Jules, uh, you are a big Charlton Athletic fan. Now, the internet occasionally lies. I once was going out with Louis Walsh and a member of the BMP at the same time. It's <laughs> quite a difficult. Yeah, well, thing to do. <laughs> well uh, yeah, I'm, I am. A, I am a, a, big is, is a big word, but uh, um, Charlton Athletic. Yeah, I'm, that, that is my that is my location. I, I'm a Charlton fan, but really, if as far as sports concerned, it's more racing I'm interested in. Really, I go to the, I like following the horses a little oh, bit. What's your track of choice? Well, I've I've got a tiny interest, uh, what you'd call a toenail of a horse, and so wherever that horse is, then we like that's that's my that's where I get excited. Are um, you are you on the flat or over the jumps? Uh, well, we're o- over the flat, and um, and we sort of we 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 manoeuvre ourselves around. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dogs. I had I was once third in the dog in the Greyhound Derby, but that was 1986. Well, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've I've never looked back from that triumph. <laughs> there we are. Now you're here to tell us all about uh, music for when people come over for dinner and and guests and this such such what and uh, it's interesting that isn't it because you do choose the music don't you when when your guests come around you and you sort of it's it's almost a form of showing off really you want to sort of people to think that you you've got good taste in music well it can be but i think i think using music as a sort of a badge of honor can be a mistake because you can easily sort of get tripped up i think with, with music you've got to, whether you play it like me or whether you're just listening to it you've got to play what you love and not what what you think is cool because people will like it i think that's the important thing you've got to stick to your own views and not be embarrassed or ashamed of them no matter what you 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 like sort of thing but i think what there is so saga cruises have have launched this research because they were they've launched a vast new two hundred thousand ton ship called the spirit of discovery on which i will be playing part myself which i'm looking forward to but in the different rooms they're trying to work out if you know, but should they have music or not? Do people like background music? Some people do, some people don't. But I think what they discovered, which was amusing in their research, was that when, if you're having a dinner party at home, that, that most people, uh, well, 90% of people, want to choose the music. They don't want to let their guests choose the music. But there are 10% who just couldn't care less. No, go and help yourself. But it might have been, they might have been saying that because, in fact, what they'd done is they'd put out their own favourite records sort of half a dozen of them, and say, oh, just put on what you want, I don't care, thus pretending to be an easygoing, fun person. Right. But you have, in fact, dictated exactly what everybody's going to listen to. Now, if you're mm. hosting a dinner party at the Hollands, um, what do you put on, Jules? Well, first of all, my Elizabethan costume. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my, my Elizabethan chef's costume, so I look like I'm sort of cooking for Henry VIII. Then once I appear uh, with my great carving things, it's, I, to be honest, I don't want to anything that's too diverting because if say you've got a, a group of interesting people for dinner you know you've got the archbishop of canterbury one side bono on the other arnold schwarzenegger over the table <laughs> there you know and uh, um and, and, and all the stevie wonder sitting next to you there you're just trying to have a nice chat <laughs> and then suddenly you go oh have you heard this solo well you're going to interrupt the thrust of what somebody might be saying that's interesting you so know? conversely so, if you've yeah. got a boring set of guests that you're just <laughs> duty bound to invite because they've had you over recently you should put on something pretty brash well, you could put on some very angular, dissonant sort of classical <laughs> music, and not sort of, and play it quite loudly in the hope that they'll then sort of it will give them indigestion and they'll leave quickly. I'm surprised um, your guests all sit round the table. I thought it'd be a bit like later with Jules Holland. You sort of go over there is such and such, and over there you have them in different parts of the room. 
Well, what a me sort of serving at the different t- like a huge restaurant. <laughs> yeah, um, like no, I tell you what, I'm very, I'm, I don't like, I don't like, uh, I'm not a lap person myself. I don't know about both of you, but I don't like, I don't, I, I don't like sort of. T- I'm not a TV dinner man. Uh, I like a, I like it on a. <laughs> it's not great for on a, on a round plate with a knife and fork. I don't like it stacked up. I like it spread out, nice and keep it simple. It's true. Uh, the other thing now, I mean, you probably don't approve of things like Spotify because they are the music isn't that pure as, as opposed to. Uh, vinyl or something like that but the, the one thing about spotify is you can if you've got a group of guests you could say well what do you fancy hearing what's your favorite track well and no, you can I mean, instantly find it whereas if you you wouldn't be able to do that with a pile of records well exactly except but you that's what i mean with it. if you if you and spotify i mean they, it serves a great purpose because i often i found all look something up i was on it this morning looking something up you can find stuff straight away that you can't find but of course if you i mean going back to the thing if you want to show off you you get your 78 records out and you say well which of those would you like to pick you know things that just aren't on spotify things that <laughs> aren't good. on the internet <laughs> and then you really have like kind of befuddled everybody and probably annoyed them you know uh, and then you can sit down all in a rage and try and have a, try and get over it over dinner um do you put on uh Bublé's best of Bublé at christmas jewels like the rest of us well, I mean, he's a he's a fantastic singer. Um, I do think, uh, um, uh, and at Christmas he'd be the perfect uh, sort of person to have on. I but but I think um, when I'm having my Christmas dinner, uh, I probably don't really, you know, music probably will get in the way of that. Maybe around Christmas I might have a little bit of Handel's The Messiah tr- trundling along in the background there. Why not? Um, a home to Plymouth on Saturday, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like change, it's like change of gear there. You want me to come to your home in Plymouth on Saturday? Yes, please. In full Elizabethan dress. Um, yes. You're seventh in League One. Plymouth are rock bottom. Give us a score prediction, please, Jules, and, and we'll never check if it's right or wrong. Uh, two one, two one. Okay, thank you so much. That's Thanks for perfect. coming, Jules. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Appreciate your time, Jules. <laughs> Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Jules good. Holland, there. I enjoyed that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. As I said yesterday, Chris Hoy joins us in the studio. If you want to enter the competition, you still have to text Chris, even though you're, okay. you're here. Now, you've written a book. <laughs> um, you've written a book called How to Ride a Bike. Yes. Um, you should know. <laughs> now, is this, how to, is this how to become an Olympic champion, or is this how to be able to just go down the shops? It's, it's something for everyone, really. Anyone that's involved in cycling or has a bike and wants to get more out of riding their bike, um, for setting out, from getting your, choosing the right bike, setting it up, the basics all the way through to how to train to become you know an elite level rider so there is something for anyone that's interested in cycling and it's growing i mean constantly more and more british champions um do you see because we were always told you know if there are role models that we can all aspire to that that means the number of people doing whatever sport it is increases is that something that you know or have noticed or definitely uh, you know it's i look back to when i was a kid and we had one or two big role models champions and, and that was it there was chris boardman graham o'brie for me my heroes um and there weren't many others you know yvonne mcgregor potentially was only the person that was winning medals back in the, the kind of mid to late 90s so now you've got maybe a dozen or so household names that are cycling on the telly all the time. It's a far more popular activity, but it's we're kind of generating that next next generation coming through, and we're seeing that with the success of uh, you know with Simon Yates recently this week winning the the Tour of Spain was was incredible. Now, now Alan Brazil would be very critical of the number of bike lanes that are being put. And I'm, I'm a cyclist. You did fix my, fix my bike chain. I did. Yeah, when yeah, I come yeah, yeah. in and to cover the the. Jim's show and he's there he gets very angry with me because I'm responsible for the number of bike lanes and how it affects his commute into work but it is a it's a great way to get around it's great for everyone it's great for your health it's great for your mental health it's you know it obviously reduces congestion even though at the moment there are some grumbles about the the new bike lanes it, it takes time you know anything that's going to be a big change it will take time to happen it's it's not always easy as well but I think that if you look for a long-term solution to well, the obesity crisis, you know, the, the NHS crisis, taking the strain off them, improving the health of the nation, reducing congestion, pollution. And if at the same time you can, you know, produce a few champion cyclists as well, well, all the better. We do have a problem, though, down in London, don't we? Uh, you know, it is dangerous to ride your bike in London. I mean, I think you can't get away from that. You, so, can't, you can't. It's you know, there, There's a lot of people, you know, it's a busy place. But statistically, it's actually more dangerous to be a pedestrian in London really? than it is to be a cyclist. That's not to play down the risks. Of course, it is dangerous. But I guess, you know, it's not a simple thing to fix. Otherwise, they would have fixed it already. But it is, I think, about improving the infrastructure, putting cycling and and active transport up on the agenda, trying to make it a a, a safer option for people to choose. I think more people would cycle in London if it was like that. I mean, there are cities in other cities around the world where the bike lane is protected from... You know, from the car, just even by a little raised bit, and I, I'd like to see more of that. Def- you know? Definitely, and I think more people would be, you know, would take cycling, you know, as a, a serious option for commuting. Mm. It, you know, as you say, you go to Germany, you, you have to cross the bike lane in the car before you get to the junction. The first thing you do is you look left and right for cyclists. They have right of way. Then you get to the junction, mm. and you know, you don't have to wear, 
you know, you don't have to ride a ten thousand pound carbon bike. You don't have to have all the gear. People just ride bikes. They're not. They don't call themselves cyclists. They just use a bike to get around. Mm. And that would be, in my eyes, that would be a you know a, a great success if yeah. they could become that that kind of a nation. But commuting cyclists. They're all trying to win. I mean, you know, they're, not, they're riding different races at different lengths. They're all trying to win. Are you competitive when you're riding? No, no. I'm just like yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. don't want the lorry to, to to get me, man. So so if somebody getting this book, how young do you have to be if you want to win Olympic gold as a cyclist? Do you have to be on a bike? when you're six months old when can you, you know. <laughs> well look at uh, jason Queeley. he he won gold in sydney in 2000 he took up cycling age 25 so if you have the potential if you have the phys- physiological potential and you have the desire the drive um and the will to do it then you can do it from any age and even if you're past the age of becoming an olympic champion but you still want to take it up seriously in your later years your middle age years you know you can become a, a world masters champion an age group champion um but you know you don't have to go on to try and become a medalist you can be successful in your own way set your own goals set challenges charity rides you know you could go for sportives there's so many different things you can do with cycling you can go off-road mountain biking try the velodrome you know there's there's so many different things you i was can gonna do. ask you do you have this yourself in your collection several different types of bikes for different types of cycling yes absolutely and I've, i have my own range of bikes that i designed too mm. so i have lots of prototypes that were sent in and i'll you know test them out and give feedback and we'll mm. change bits and bobs in them but yeah, my, my garage is a right mess. I've got all kinds of old... What about BMX? BMX, yeah, well, that's how I started. So I raced... Really? Yeah, I, I raced BMX from the age of seven. That's how I got into cycling. Did that for seven years. Did mountain biking mm. and cyclocross, time trial, road, and eventually track. Why do you think British cycling is in such a good place now? I think it was clever investment back in the, the late 90s when the lottery came on board. So 1998 was when the lottery started. Funding came into sport after the terrible Atlanta Games in 96. They realised they had to do something about it. Um, most of the sports were given a relatively even portion of money. I think cycling didn't spread it too thinly. They, they kind of channeled it down quite a narrow pathway, gave it to two or three riders, really supported them. They then won more medals, and those medals got more funding, and it kind of spiralled from there. But the right people, the right places, the right support, you know, looking at every single possible detail, um, and then success breeds success. Once you have that belief, once you have that winning philosophy... It, it tends to, to be infectious. You were the king of the velodrome, but have you ever done part of the Tour de France, like the mountain stages or anything like that? I've done the, you know, the, there's one they call the Etape de Tour, which is, uh, it's open to anybody. It's like eight and a half thousand mm. people do it each year and they pick the hardest stage of the, the Tour de France and you get to ride it as an amateur. I did that in 2006, I think it was. And it was a long day in the saddle because I used to race for up to a minute. You know, I'm a pure sprint. I'm like, yeah, you know, a hundred meter runner on the track versus a, a marathon mm. runner. I'm a completely different physiology from mm. the, the Tour de France guys. So I rode the, the road as a, a junior and I, you know, enjoyed it, but I was never very good at it because... Did, your, did your mind wonder? Like you're, you're, you're a one minute man. Not yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I love this, the sprint and the kilo and all the kind of short distance events in the track. To me, they really appeal that, that focus, that intensity, that you know this burst of power everything you've got all out there's nothing you're not holding anything back there's no pacing it's just flat out and it's exciting and it's fast but i, I get the endurance stuff too but i think it's if you're better at something you tend to enjoy it more mm. um, and i'm like, physiologically i have a high percentage of fast twitch muscle fiber types you're born that way big quads so, <laughs> big quads oh, on yeah, high no, you need you big quads <laughs> i always thought that kieran would be a way i could take part in the, the slow in the, bit at the start no no the bike <laughs> right the motorbike oh bit. i see oh, yeah. not, not the beer then no, <laughs> no, not that. Time. Well, I see that because you didn't do the, you know, the, the the endurance ones. I can't ask the. I once asked, I can't remember who we had on, Andy, and I was sitting in for Paul again, and someone was doing the record for the hour, 
And it might have been Graham Aubrey. He certainly did. I, he did I, that, didn't he? Yeah, I, asked, that's right. I asked if he got dizzy because he's going around in circles. <laughs> I thought you were going to see you asked how long it took. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wondered if you go round and round and round and round eventually. Well, some of the, the races we do in, in the continent, they're called six-day races, and they're these sort of temporary tracks that can be less than 200 metres long, which is a lot shorter than the, the international standard ones. And you almost get dizzy because they're, they're so short, they're so tight. And when you go through the bends, you're you know when you're doing seventy five k's an hour, the g force is on your body and your and your head. You know it can be it can be a little bit dizzy. So it's not a stupid question. Thank you so much. Does the book cover sort of making getting onto a velodrome and having the chance to 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 use it because it's a completely different technique. That's the bank and all that. Yeah, well, fi- fixed wheel is the biggest thing that's different about a track bike and the fact you've got no brakes on a, on a track bike. So there is a bit in there about fixed wheel riding and about the you know the skills required there and efficient pedaling, mm. but. Yeah, anybody who gets the chance to go down to Veldrum, I would say give it a go. Everybody I've seen, every you know, every time I go down to the track, there's always taster sessions on public sessions. People come off the track, initially get on the track looking pretty nervous. They come off the track with a massive smile on their face, full of adrenaline, mm. and it's it is such a fun thing to do. Sounds do you good. miss do you miss competition? Um, I miss the competition. I don't miss the, uh, the the training every day, the pain you have to go through on a daily basis, two three times a day. Six days a week, you know, fifty weeks of the year. It was. Do you have to eat like tough. considerably less now? Or I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't. It's not that I have to force myself not to eat that amount. It's just that you don't. Your appetite tends not to. Fo- you know, your appetite follows what you're doing. Or for me, it does anyway. Mm. So if I get, if I do more training, I have to eat more. If I do less, I don't need to eat as much. But mm. I mean, so I'm always like a, an elite sportsman who gets incredibly massively fat <laughs> up. It's a, it's a great shame that you haven't. Just you haven't let just yourself go. No, but I still ride my bike. I still enjoy it. You know, it's, I think, and what I do now, I'm pretty busy. I've got a lot of things going on. But even if I've got just half an hour a day that I can set aside to get pop on the turbo trainer indoors, the static bike do a very short intense session you know it's still pretty painful not going like i used to go back in the day but still do enough to kind of get a proper sweat on feel a bit of a burn in your legs and then you can have you know have a pint and have a beer and you know have a have a burger afterwards it's not the end of the world fantastic uh, look, thanks so much for coming in thanks for fixing my bike chain. it's a pleasure yeah greatly appreciate it i don't know what the what you charge for that just plug my book that's great Absolutely you know right. <laughs> uh, how to ride a bike by sir chris hoy six-time olympic champion everybody buy it please uh, sir chris thanks so much for coming in thank you cheers the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from talk sport there are only four personality types do you want to find out which one you are yes um, role model, low in neuroticism, but will score highly in other traits. Uh, likelihood of being a role model increases dramatically with age. More women than men, possible candidates. The Queen. Are you a role model? Are you, Andy, self-centred? Well, OK. Very high in extroversion and below average in openness, agreeableness and conscientiousness. Well, you are conscientious and open. Agreeable is, you know, that's up for debate. Possible candidate, Donald Trump. Are you reserved, emotionally stable, but not open, nor neurotic? What? No, uh, none of those. Are you average? Oh, yeah. <laughs> high, in, high in neuroticism <laughs> and extroversion, low in openness. Uh, possible candidate, Seth Blatter. There you are. Always enjoyed a what press a, conference. What a great role model he is, old <laughs> Seth. You can either be Seth Blatter, the Queen, Theresa May or Donald Trump. They're the four choices you've got. God, the Queen must come out highly in that one. Anyway. Right now, um, I don't know if we've got this, but Adrian Durham, who's going to be coming on at four, of course, mm. as he does every day. Yes, he does. He, uh, he texted me last night. Uh, we were both nice. watching the Brighton uh, Southampton game. Do you text a lot, you two? We do, actually. We're, oh. very, we're very close. I don't text Adrian that much. 
You should text him more. He's, he's really good fun. <laughs> okay, I will. I'm going to include him as a text buddy. Um, let's see if he replies or not. And he was saying, he was, we were both watching the Brighton-Southampton games, I was saying, and every time the commentator mentioned uh, Jambacks or Jambag, mm-hmm. uh, he said he, he kept hearing this. Have, have we got it? A handbag. And I thought that's very accurate. That's exactly how you pronounce his name. A handbag. A handbag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, he wasn't bad, really. Who's your favourite <laughs> person to text out of the Talksport talent? Oh, team? I, I, me and Eamon Holmes, we do a lot of. Do you and Eamon together, text yeah. a lot? We text a lot to each other. Yeah. Okay, that's mine. I was there first to congratulate him yesterday. Me and Mike Parry are constantly bantering with each other on the text. <laughs> are you really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, have you seen this story? You won't have done because uh, yeah. I read this paper. TripAdvisor suspended <laughs> reviews of a seaside resort's highest rated attraction, a plastic tunnel at a supermarket. The tunnel imbued links shoppers from Sainsbury's supermarket to the car park, protecting them from the rain. It's got 160 reviews on TripAdvisor. They've blocked mm. any new appraisals because they had an influx of reviews that do not describe a first-hand experience. <laughs> One reviewer said it was comparable to the Taj Mahal <laughs> and called it a hidden gem. It's become a destination. It's, I, uh, You know, we stayed, when we were in Russia, we stayed in absolutely in Kaliningrad. I would say the worst hotel I've ever stayed in in my life. Okay. But I went on TripAdvisor and gave it a really wonderful review. I said it was better than the Peninsula in Hong Kong and the Taj in Mumbai. Did you? Yeah. Did you, so other people would go? <laughs> yes. I thought, why should I be the only one that has to suffer it? The thing, <laughs> <laughs> the thing Fair is, enough. The thing is, I you read you use TripAdvisor oh, now. It's but rubbish. You, you'd never be a person. Well, I would never write anything on there because why would you? you know, it's always the people who go, no, I'm not one to write on TripAdvisor, but... <laughs> yeah, but it's just... I, I, I watched this film about... Uh, a very famous American, I was on a plane, it was a very famous American food critic. And this guy is a brilliant guy. And he, he, when he reviews a restaurant, he never goes to the restaurant less than 10 to 12 times before he writes the review because he wants to make sure he's tried everything. He must be full up. Well, he's quite a big lad. Okay. He wants to make so in sure. one sitting. Does he go out and come back <laughs> in again? He's, he wants to make sure that he's tried everything, that, he, that he's experienced different chefs that they might have, everything about a restaurant mm. that you won't get from just going once. Mm. And you think, what a difference to, to TripAdvisor where people just go, well, I didn't like it. <laughs> you, know, you think, well, that is that it? Was that your your great esteem, your review of this thing? So I find it a bit sort of like, you know, the only way you can use it, though, is to judge if sort of like 25 people think something's good and two don't, then you'll probably be safe enough. Um, do you, uh, well, which one shall I go for now? Oh, yeah, that was a big oh, decision. It was, well, I've just t- put down the piece of paper t- that says uh, Buddhist monks in Thailand are getting obese. Um, <laughs> are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. You sound interested. Here we go. Obesity is a serious problem in Thailand, but no, nowhere more so than among its population of Buddhist monks. But surely the whole thing of a Buddhist monk is a famous Buddha. Well, I suppose that's not really a Buddhist monk. No. Yeah, go on. But the situation is so grave, officials issued a nationwide warning urging lay people to offer healthier arms to monks. Because they, you know, they, they see a monk, you, you, know, you give them some food or whatever. And what are they doing? Bags of crisps? They're just giving them, yeah, double Big Macs and, and you know, double Whoppers with cheese, and they need to give them flaxseed, don't they? Monks roam the street each day in their saffron robes, collecting donated food in the Buddhist tradition. They're not allowed to eat after oh. noon. So to keep their en- they don't eat after noon. So to keep their energy levels up, they rely on, on energy drinks. Okay, and and many monks say they didn't realise they were putting on weight because of their loose-fitting robes. There, come on, <laughs> oh, get yeah. out of it. You might well, apparently you know, it's it's better, isn't it? If you only eat in the morning, you don't eat at night. But not if you just drink Red Bull solidly from midday till bedtime. <laughs> You'll be buzzing. Surely, how they sleep? 
The other thing I picked up was from the Daily Mirror's oh, health that, that was a good story. That was a lot of questions. Not not a lot of sport to it, but a lot of questions. <laughs> Can you bring it back? Gary Monk. <laughs> if Gary Monk's loose-fitting robes <laughs> are really affecting him, then we really need to look out. If you yeah. see Gary Monk, don't, don't give him a red bull after midday. Definitely Whatever don't. you do, don't. the man's struggling. Um, uh, well brought back to sport. And you're old, aren't you? Um, yes. uh, this is the Your Health section. Um, you wear glasses as well. I do. Yeah. How to save your sight. <laughs> really? It might yeah. be a bit late. Eat an orange a day. Really? And a handful of grapes. Wear goggles. <laughs> goggles? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's the health section of the Daily Mirror. Uh, goggles? Wa- wear goggles. Safeguard your eyes while cycling, doing DIY, even gardening. Oh, I see what you mean. Not just wear goggles. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I shouldn't have given you any details, did <laughs> no. I? Wait for Thursday, so you come in dressed, <laughs> dressed like Ian Thorpe. Walk for 40 minutes. Exercise your eyes. What are you meant to do? Lift weights with them. Okay, choose regular <laughs> mascara, Andy. That is a big problem for you. Uh, sleep on your back. Eat dark chocolate. Um, blink. <laughs> there you go. This is good. <laughs> Stop staring at everyone. Monitor your weight. Quit smoking. And uh, don't blast the aircon. There you are. That's right. Well, we had this discussion in the during the World Cup with our producer, John. Basically, because we were with him a long time, we discovered that he doesn't wear his glasses all the time because he believes it'll strengthen his eyes. There is a sort of bit of science behind it. I think, yeah. But it's, you see today, he, is, he has reverted. Thanks to the full the full specs. Uh, doctors have removed a seven-inch toothbrush oh. from a woman's stomach after she accidentally swallowed it in Jiangsu in China. Okay. You think, how the hell she managed that, for goodness sake? <laughs> I mean, that's not even possible, is it? Although, if you, although, <laughs> although, I don't know about you, but I, I don't brush my teeth for long enough. I don't, no, I'm not. Don't, can you just clip that there? I don't brush my teeth. <laughs> That's I'm not halitosis max. I don't. I'm not hearty enough with the two. Maybe she was just really going, you know, because you've got to really use pressure. What, and, you, you know, but to you really sort of going go back and forth, it. back and forth, back and forth. And you let go, and it went. Oh, it's gone. It's gone all the way down like a sword. <laughs> the question is, you, you, unless she had like four toothbrushes at the moment, the, the the instant second that she had a toothbrush and then didn't have a toothbrush is when she should have noticed, isn't it? Well, that's the time. I'm sure, well, I'm sure she noticed. Like, where have she, I put it? I'm, no, I'm she, sure I put it somewhere. Well, it doesn't say she didn't know she'd oh, done it. Oh, I see. It okay. just said that doctors had to remove it. So oh, presumably, the minute she did oh, it, she went. Oh, okay. oh dear. <laughs> Or words to that effect. <laughs> Imagine so. Can we carry on? We go, well, we more you, will there be more time for these things on Thursday? Because yeah. I've done prep. I've got buckets of them. Well, keep them. There's been bring nothing, them back. There's been nothing from pick-me-up. No, I, I sometimes... Look, you know I sometimes keep things for months. <laughs> I haven't, for example, mentioned Ian Neal, 75, who won first prize for his £42.5 beetroot, 66 point. Six pound cabbage and nine point five pound carrot. That's a big carrot mm. at the Harrogate Autumn Flower Show, which is you know like the Maracanar, basically <laughs> for fruit growers. Is that right? Yeah. Oh well, congratulations, yeah, congratulations on your enormous beetroot. Um, your reaction, Adrian and Mickey Gray, taking your reaction to the giant beetroot from four oh eight seven one seven. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 